All week long, I have been thinking about Derek's story last night, I don't, or last week. I don't know if all of you were here last week, so if you weren't, you'll have to get Carl's message from the week before. You can find it at rockthechurch.com. It'll be loaded up online, and, and you can listen to it. But um, I'm going to try to give a summation of it and, um, and tell you why I think it's so important. So Carl was doing finishing his series on finances and losing strategies, and, and he asked Derek to come up here, and, and I think the subtitle of Carl's message, I'll probably get this wrong, was uh, Doing Nothing is Not an Option. I believe that was the title. <clears throat> and um, Derek is the guy <clears throat> tonight playing our drums. I've known Derek since he was about one year old. He and his family used to live in the trailer court where Kathy and I and our little kids lived in Ames, Iowa. And then we moved up here 24 years ago, and we didn't much see them after that time. And they moved to some different places. And then uh, next thing I know, I heard from Jeremy that Derek was kind of a musician, and he was traveling around, and Derek's a, a very extraordinarily talented musician. <clears throat> and then I'd heard he moved up here to Minneapolis, that he was kind of doing the band thing, the music thing. And um, at the time that I first heard this, he wasn't coming to the rock, he and Heidi. And, um, and so then they started eventually coming to the rock. And I think Jeremy and he hooked up. They used to play in our little trailer yard all the time together when they were real little kids. And, um, you know, who'd have, who'd have known they'd both grow up to be? Uh, musicians. And um, I asked Derek, by the way, if I could tell some of the story today, just in case you're wondering. Heidi, if you're out there, I called him today. Hey, Heidi's his wife. And uh, <clears throat> so, you know, they would, as I recall in my, you know, vaguely, they would come to the rock off and on. And um, they always seemed pretty heavy hearted when they came. And. Uh, Heidi had given me a couple phone calls after they came, and, and um, she was just sharing with me some of the struggles that were going on in their in life. And a lot of it had to do with uh, their finances and choices Derek was making at the time. He was uh, really into the band thing, and like he, he said himself last week, he really shared his story last week, he'd just spend and spend, and if he needed it, he'd get it, and he didn't think about it, and he just kept pursuing this kind of, a crazy dream. And it really put them in a very difficult um, financial situation. A lot of things. I mean, a lot of things. And when they moved up here to kind of pursue that dream, the house in Iowa didn't sell. The economy tanked. The housing market tanked. So it was kind of a perfect storm, which also added to the strain. <clears throat> and I remember Heidi telling me on the phone, you know, Mark, I, I don't know how much more I can take this. And I'm, I'm thinking about maybe moving back home. They had a little boy at the time. And home was uh, uh, Dubuque, Iowa. So I volunteered that I would like to come over and visit if I could. I thought maybe I could help. At least I wanted to try. So <clears throat> the morning, is, and Derek shared a lot of this last week, the morning I went over... Um, you know, he was he was working and it was tar hard to fit in time. And 
My daughter's health was really very, very difficult at that time. So we were just trying to figure out how we could coordinate. And I went over that morning and he was really sick, sick with the flu. And so, you know, to be honest, this isn't the great, greatest situation to give somebody advice when they're sick with the stomach flu, if you know what I mean. And they're trying to sit there and concentrate and you're trying to walk them through th- some things and uh, with the wife there. And so I knew I was going to try to, as I, as I headed over there, I knew I'm going to need to be choosy with my words. I'm going to need to uh, be direct and get to the point. At the same time, I don't want to offend this young man or this young couple. But somehow, somehow God helped me to wake him up to reality. Help me to wake him up. To understand what he's facing, and if something doesn't change ASAP, he's going to lose his marriage. And I knew it was that serious. Now, he didn't know it was that serious, but I knew it was that serious. I've been doing this for a long time, and I could kind of see the paw prints all over the wall, so to speak. So, he would get up and go to the bathroom, he would get up and go to the bathroom, and so... Finally, uh, you know, we had a little conversation and I just said, well, Heidi, can I ask you here? Derek's here. uh, How have you been, you know, feeling about this marriage a little bit lately? Well, really discouraged. And I said, "Um, well, do you even want the marriage to continue? And there was kind of a silence. And she said, well, I no, No, not not like this. No. And I'm. And uh, didn't you tell me you're thinking about going back home? And uh, well, yeah, I, I am. And as Derek said last night, it was a real wake up call. And as Derek was sharing last week, one verse kept going over and over and over and over and over in my mind. And I want to share it with you tonight because I'm I'll be very honest with you tonight. All right. Very honest with you, rockers. There is a huge need in this church. There are many of you, I'd say, I'd say probably 80% of the people in this auditorium tonight. There are things in your life that God wants you to face that you are procrastinating about, you're playing games about, and you don't get it that if you don't wake up and smell the roses, you may not have a chance tomorrow. It may be too late. Some of you are playing games with God. You're playing games with the area of sin in your life. You're playing games with things, laziness, idleness, whatever it is in your life. And you kind of know it, but you kind of don't have a clue. And you need a wake-up call. And as Derek was sharing, and I was thinking last night, if this young man had not made that decision, they wouldn't be here today. They wouldn't be here today. And here's the verse. It's in Ephesians chapter 5. I didn't write this. It's right here in the scripture. You can read it later. Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will give you light. Be careful how you live. Don't live as a fool. Live as a wise person. Make the most of every opportunity you have to do the right thing for the days are evil. Don't act thoughtlessly. Always strive to understand what the Lord wants you to do and this is the amplified bible therefore he says wake up O sleeper and rise from the dead and christ will shine on you and give you light now i want to make something clear this is not a salvation verse we don't wake ourselves up from the dead we're dead in christ has to cause us to rise from the dead that's salvation he's saying hey 
Hey, sleepyhead. Bam, bam, bam. Wake up. Wake up from your stupor. You're walking around through life kind of like, I'm just kind of, where am I? You know, I'm just, I'm kind of in a, this is why it says in just a few verses, and do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with with the Spirit. What does wine do? It dulls you. It makes you act stupid. It makes you act foolish when we get drunk. And some of us are drunk on our own pride. Some of us don't realize that habits that we have in our life are ruining our relationships, but we won't face them. Some of us, in fact, many of us, and I'm going to read you some statistics tonight that are absolutely staggering. There's a group called Back to the Bible Broadcast. They're a, they're a radio program, and they have a division of their radio group that studies uh, Christians, trying to find out why so many Christians' moral lives are so broken, why there's so much unchristlikeness amongst Christians. And they found some unbelievable information. Though 97% of Christians own a Bible, they found that 65 to 70% of them Never read it. They found that the single most significant... I have been telling you this, rockers, I have been telling you this, Carlos, but I have been since we founded the church 12 years ago, that the single most important habit in your life is daily Bible reading. You know what they found? They, they surveyed 40,000 people, aged 13 to 80, and they found that those individuals who consistently read their Bible four times or more per week consistently experience victory and greater Christ-likeness and spiritual depth in their life. And the vast majority of Christians read the Bible three times or less a week. And here's what their study showed. Anyone who reads their Bible three times or less a week, their behavioral choices and their thought life is no different than a non-Christian. And yet there are many of you in this room tonight that can't even lead yourself to get into the Bible every day. I mean, you've got the one-year Bible, you've got the one-year reading plan in the back of your Faith Walker journal. We've talked about getting a liver in Proverbs and reading one proverb that corresponds to the day of the month. And survey up and study after study, question after question are said, I want to get in the Bible, but I just don't have the time. What a fabricated piece of crap and lie. Man, listen, you don't know this, but I'm a Facebook stalker. <laughs> and I just go from one of you to the next to the next. Man, you got time to be on Facebook. Man, you got time to update your photos, your status, your interests. But somehow there just isn't time to take 15 minutes To allow God to speak to you and guide your life and show you the mirror of your... That you need to see yourself the way you really are. Wake up, O sleeper. And arise from the dead. Get yourself up from this deadness. And then, then with that, with that act of the will, Christ will shine on you. He'll give you light. Look carefully then how you walk. 
Live purposefully and worthily and accurately, not as unwise and witless idiots, but as wise, sensible, intelligent people, making the very most of the time, buying up every opportunity to make your life count for the days of evil. Therefore, do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish, but understand and firmly grasp what the will of the Lord is. Derek said a couple things last week that I thought were so profound and so true. We need, to, we need to get off the blame game. We need to stop blaming other people for our own carnality or our own fleshliness or our own whatever it is in our life. You can keep looking back at your family life and you can keep blaming. Well, if I would had a better this, if I had a better that, and I want you to know, you know me. I've been with you a long time and I empathize and my heart breaks for the brokenness of the American family and what many of you had to grow up in. But now, here's the reality. You are 20 or 25 or 26 or 23 or 28 and bemoaning the past isn't going to do a thing for your future. The reality is it's time to accept responsibility for your life and do whatever it takes to change. Do whatever it takes to become the person God wants you to do. When I called Derek today on the phone to ask him if I could use his story, we had a really such an uplifting conversation. And he said, Mark, he said, um, you know, it's interesting, Mark, this has been the most significant year of my life. This last year, now starting out this year. And he said, you know what? I work two full time jobs. <laughs> you know, he's working 80 hours a week and he's here playing in the band. And he said, my wife and I are doing better than we've ever done. Than we've ever done. How can you do better than you've ever done when you're working 80 hours a week? Because he's focused, because he's walking with the Lord. He said, Mark, every day I have a 30, and, and I don't, I know Derek pretty well. And he goes, I got a 30 minute drive to work. I pray on that 30 minutes. I pray. That's the second most significant habit in your life. The word in prayer. The word in prayer. The word in prayer. Simple but profound, life-changing, the Word of God and prayer. <clears throat> and yet, Christians, it blows my mind. We can spend hours with a video game. We can spend hours over here. We can spend hours talking with friends in a coffee shop. But simply doing the most important spiritual activity in our life, engaging in the Scripture, in the Word of God. We're not talking 10 hours a day. We're talking a 15-20 minute segment of reading God's Word. Writing something down. Meditating as you go through your day. And it helps you overcome temptation. vast majority of Christians are not overcoming temptation. Four out of five. Four out of five. This was revealed to me in the survey that I had here today. It's just a recent survey. Four out of five. 23-year-olds walk away from their faith. Four out of five. Why? Because the world's so bad. The world's bad, but the primary reason is because we're ignoring God. We're ignoring God's word. And we're not taking responsibility for our personal life. Listen, let me tell you a little secret. If you decide for the next 30 days not to eat, you're not going to do very good. You're just not going to do very good. If you skip all your meals for the next 30 days... Even if you just try to drink a little water, you're not going to do very good. You're not going to have very much strength. You're not going to make it very well in your job. 
And we need to understand that God said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, I'd like to read a couple of passages to you out of the book of Proverbs. If what I've shared isn't enough already, this is really, I, I, I frequently go over this passage. I need these passages, by the way. God speaks to me through these passages in Proverbs 1, verse 20. Wisdom shouts in the streets. In case you ever wonder why I shout. Sometimes it's wise. She cries out in the public square. In case you wonder why I cry. Out. She calls out to the crowds along the main street and to those in front of the city hall. You simpleton, she cries. How long will you go on being simple-minded? How long will you mockers relish your mocking? How long will you fools fight the facts? Come here and listen to me. I will pour out the spirit of wisdom on you and make you wise. I called you so often, but you didn't come. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. You ignored my advice. You rejected the correction I offered. So I will laugh at you and... Trouble comes. I will mock you when disaster overtakes you, when calamity overcomes you like a storm, when you're engulfed by trouble, when anguish and distress overwhelm you. I won't answer you when you cry for help, even though they anxiously search for me and do not find me, for they hated knowledge and chose not to fear the Lord. They rejected my advice. They paid no attention when I corrected them. That's why they must eat the bitter fruit of living their own way. They must experience the full terror of the path they have chosen, for they are simpletons who turned away from me to death. They're fools and their own complacency will destroy them. But all who listen to me will live in peace and safety, unafraid of harm. Bible says later on a few chapters, blessed are those who wait daily at my gates, anxious for my words. <clears throat> and yet I see Christian after Christian after Christian after Christian after Christian ignore the Bible. They just ignore the Bible. See, this is how you turn off God. Just ignore his word. I'd have to listen to him. I'm not responsible then. <clears throat> and you get weaker and weaker, and you become more carnal, more carnal, more fleshly, <clears throat> and your relationships don't work, and your money doesn't work, and you don't do too well in your job, and you get all mixed up in the world, and your life's all twisted up, and then you wonder why you hit a wall, because you were complacent. Because we got complacent. Derek got complacent. Derek was ignoring the facts. They were staring him right in the face. Right in the face. Wow. Our finances are a mess. I don't care. I'll just pretend they're not there. <clears throat> I'll just put it on plastic. I'll just put it on plastic. My wife's getting sadder and sadder and sadder and sadder. Our life's not working. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. And praise God, I'm very thankful that Heidi made that phone call that day and that Derek was responsive and it turned his life around. It turned their lives around. Derek was telling me today, he said, you know, Mark, he said, I, I didn't get to share this last week, but he said, you know, one of the reasons that um, it really hit me, he said, is because I have a little boy. And I started it after you left. I started thinking, what would it be like to explain to my little boy why I didn't love his mom anymore, why we weren't together. Really freaked me out. 
You know, one of the things, if I can just be honest with you, that that motivated me over the years and why it's so important that you realize that your life is for other people. See, one of the things that helps men become a real man is when all of a sudden he has to accept the responsibility for other human beings. Whether it's through marriage or marriage and having children, it grows a man up. He realizes, you know what? You better put the bottle away. You better learn not to play the stupid video games. You better get serious about life. So many men that I know don't have it in them to even work 60 hours a week. Many can't even work 40 hours a week. They get tired. They get worn down because they're not thinking about the human beings that are depending on them and why it's our responsibility as a man to prepare to take care of those who are going to depend on us. Now, let's talk Christianity for a moment. When I started following Christ, I was 19 years of age. And I was not a college type person. I didn't go to college. And um, I wasn't a... There were some things I was responsible in, but a lot of things I was very irresponsible. But all of a sudden, I began to realize God's vision for my life. And that God's calling on my life was to care for other people. In other words, to step up to the plate, to lead others. And if I'm going to lead others, which means accept responsibility for them, I better get my stuff together. And I, and I can't take the next 50 years to do it. If you're going to be a leader, if you want God to use you, then you better get your stuff together. You better get your stuff together. Guys, gals, sometimes... <clears throat> Uh, never mind. I'm not going to comment on that tonight. We get complacency. We get comfortable. We get apathetic. A lot of times God puts people in our lives who try to talk to us. They try to tell us things. I can't tell you how many times the Lord has used my wife to tell me things. Sometimes things I, I don't really want to hear. <clears throat> One of the prayers that I pray often as I read my Bible and as I'm going through my day is search me, O God, and try me and, and see if there's any offensive way in me and then lead me in your way. Lead me away from that way. Show it to me and then lead me in your way. I, I'm not a perfect husband. I'm not a perfect man. There are, there are still areas of my life that God is trying to make me more like Christ. And <clears throat> It's so interesting. You know, I, I pray, Lord... This last week, <clears throat> week and a half, I've just been praying more, Lord, make me a more sensitive husband. Make me a more understanding husband. Make me a more tender-hearted husband. Lord, help me. And I get all ready for that in my day. And I'm prepared and I've prayed. And then just the smallest thing happens. And I do the opposite of what I wanted to do. That i got to go back to the Word of God in my mind because a lot of it's just there. It doesn't mean I don't read it. I do, but... So much of it over the years, I've been reading it for 35 years. The majority of Christians have never even read through the whole Bible once in their life. We don't value this book. This book guides us. In Proverbs chapter 19, verse 3, I'd like to read you a verse that, again, I have memorized, but I'll read it to you. It goes over in my mind so often. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness. 
and then they blame it on God. People ruin their lives with their own foolishness. Then they blame it on God. They blame it. God, you didn't answer my prayer. God, you let me down. And really, I've been involved with so many people, you know, when I'm, and I'll be sitting with them or we're through email or on the phone. And, uh, and by the way, when I'm on the phone, I, I talk differently than I'm talking now, just in case you're wondering. And, um, you know, I try to gently walk people down this road to help them see themselves as they really are. <clears throat> Not too long ago, I was <clears throat> giving advice to a young person who called me here and uh, wrote to me and was asking about a, a difficult family situation. This has been about four months ago, five months ago. And, um, <clears throat> and so they were telling me, you know, the grief that this sibling had caused to them and the pain and the difficulty, and, and it was tough. And so I empathized, and, and they were kind of wanting to blast them. And, <clears throat> this, you know, and, and so um, I made a couple other suggestions. I said, well, you know, allowing the Scripture to be our guide, because that's our guide, see, the Scripture. If we allow the Scripture to be our guide, the Bible says to return a blessing for evil, not to return evil for evil, to overcome evil by doing good. So, you know, I would encourage you to take a conciliatory approach. I would, I would encourage you to ignore the offense. The Bible says in Proverbs, it's a glory for a man to overlook an offense. To overlook an insult. Let it go. Forgive like Christ forgave you. Well, anyway, I, I received a letter from this person, an email. When I say letter, I mean email. Um, about a week ago, a week and a half ago. Mark, I've been meaning to tell you, I've been meaning to tell you, oh my gosh, I had the most extraordinary visit with my sibling just before Christmas. It was hard to even believe I had it. And I followed your advice and it worked. Well, bless your heart. Good for you. Good job. Follow my advice. Listen, I know what I'm talking about. It's, it's, you know, for most of you here, it's free. It's, you know, I'm just giving it away. It's just based on the word of God. Now, you can go get it yourself, and I'd encourage you to do it. But really, seriously, just about, not every, but just about any kind of situation you can imagine, I've been in or had to deal with or help others deal with. I mean, running the gamut. And I could, I won't tonight, because we don't have time, but I could bring one person after another after another on the stage and said, you know what? I called Mark. I was in this tough situation, this family situation, or this work situation, or this relationship situation, and I wasn't sure what to do, and it was really pressing down on me, and it was really hard, but then he offered this, and I did it. It was really hard, but I did it, and wow, it, you know, it, things changed. Because blessed are you when they do the Word of God. Not just when you know it, but when you do it. It starts by knowing it, and then... It concludes as you do it. You grow as you do it. <clears throat> it's such a blessing to me. I had an, I've had a number of emails actually like that this week. A couple other people have written me and said, Mark, yeah, thank you because, you know, I was in this situation and I know exactly what they were referring to. And I called you and you shared with me to do this, so I did. And it worked. Last night was a really, really special night at our house. I'm not going to give you all the details, but uh, my wife and I, you know, we've been praying for her family and mom and dad for a long time. And 
off and on we pray privately and then sometimes we pray together for them. And um, my wife will be 54 in a few weeks. And last night is the first time she's ever gotten to pray with her mom. Unbelievable. And God has brought a series of very, very, very difficult health circumstances into the life of of someone that her mom loves very dearly. And and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's just like I'm getting Jesus forwards all the time from Kathy's mom. These Jesus forwards. It's, you know, it's kind of a girl thing. And um, and so last night, Kathy, she said to me, she said, Mark, you know, um, while you're at that, that leaders meeting tonight, she said, I took some time. It's just the way my wife is. You got to know my wife. My wife starts every single day with a minimum of two hours in her Bible. And her time just sitting, writing. Now, of course, she's an older lady now, a grandma, not a mom with three little children hanging onto her ankle. So it's a little easier to do. But even when they were younger, she still had time every day in the word of God, which has sustained her. And she said, you know, Mark, so what I did was I took us some time because I, I know I don't think on my feet fast like you do. So I wrote out a prayer that I could pray with my mom. I thought it through and I'm going to step out in faith and I'm going to call my mom later tonight. And you got to know this is a big deal because it's a it's a really unusual relationship. It, it's just I I've never quite met anyone like her. And so she did. And she said, Mark, my mom, she doesn't cry. So when I asked her if I could pray as we got near the end, she got a little emotional. And then I prayed and then she cried a little bit. She said, Mark, it was just, un- you know, it was really an amazing thing. If we'll just follow God, if we'll just know his word, if we'll just do his word, you won't have to be victimized by all the garbage of this world. But you need the supernatural power of God's word. You need the strengthening. You need the perspective. You need the encouragement. And you need to stop blaming God when much of the time you're screwing up your own life. Because you just won't do what's needed to be done. And it starts with reading the Word of God. It starts with getting in the Bible. And getting the Bible into you. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how much more to say about this, actually. But, but I'm telling you, it can be done. If I can do it, you can do it. If my wife can do it, you can do it. We're not, we're not the world's most intelligent people, Kathy and I. Kathy will regularly say the wrong words. Today we were just laughing almost on the floor a couple times because she said something to me and, and, and it was just totally the wrong word. And, uh, you know, this just happens and, and, and I, you know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, I don't have a doctorate. I don't have a master's degree, but I know how to read. Like Abraham Lincoln, I know how to read. And for 35 years, starting when I was 19, and no one even told me this, I knew as I started to follow Christ and gave my life to him, the Holy Spirit just started to put on my heart, Mark, get in this book. Now, yes, I had grown up with a mother that I saw with a Bible in her hand. I had gone to church as a young person. I knew this was a special book. I knew this was God's book. I also knew I'm an undisciplined young man. That's got to change. I can sit around and think about it. I can blame it on everybody else. Or I can just get a Bible 
And every day when I get off work, I'm driving out to the park because I like the woods and I'm going to read. So that's what I did. A book a day. I started with a book a day. The book of Mark, the book of John. I just sit. I just read. I'd read. I had my little ruler and my pencil. I'd underline and I'd underline and I'd underline. I'll never forget shortly after I met Kathy, she came up one time to see me at my, I was a machinist, a production lathe operator, and she could only look at the window because, you know, you didn't really want to come in. It was a, kind of a dirty, grungy shop. And, but she saw on my, uh, right above my lathe, on the ledge of the window, I had a hundred verses with holes punched in the side with a key ring through them. These verses, and I just, as I'm doing my production lathe, I'm memorizing these verses. I'm memorizing these verses. Because I knew there's power in the Word of God. Be transformed, the Bible says, by the renewing of your mind. You don't renew your mind. No one's going to do it for you. And you're not going to be transformed. And instead, you're going to be conformed to this world. And you're not going to be happy with your life. You're going to be very unhappy with your relationships, with your finances, with your life. Period. Because life doesn't work without God. I don't know what it's going to take for us to get that through our head. Life does not work man's way. Man is an idiot. When it comes to morality, when it comes to how we do finances, I mean, come on. You look around the world, you look at our governments, these people who've got their masters and their doctors in finances, and we're almost broke as a nation. We're supposed to elect the people that are lawyers and business people. We're almost broke. They can't even run their own finances, let alone ours. Just give me a simple man or simple woman who's in the Word of God, who can do the Word of God, who disciplines their life to do the Word of God, and there you will find greatness. There you will find an individual who knows how to say no to themselves, who knows how to lead themselves, who knows how to get along with others. Who knows how to love when they don't want to love? Who knows how to step up and be courageous when they feel afraid? Because of the power and the strength that the Word of God has given to their soul. You see, this book gives us backbone. This book. You're mushy without it. You're fleshy without it. You're carnal without it. But this book molds your mind. It molds your values. It molds your perspectives and the philosophies by which you live. The vast majority of Christians, this survey said, live by their own feelings. The most destructive thing you can do is live by your feelings. Your marriage is going to be in a lot of trouble if you live by your feelings. We learn to live by making the choices God's Word tells us to. So if you get anything from tonight... I want to really challenge you. I know that in your house churches, you're doing a series. Most of you are in habits right now. I want to encourage you to determine to yourself as of tonight, you know what? No more stupid excuses, okay? I'm done with excuses. Lord, I'm stepping up to the plate. I realize I need to wake up. I need to wake up from my stupor. I need to wake up from these stupid games I've been playing. And I'm going to open my Bible each day. I'm going to go out tomorrow if I need to. And I'm going to get a one-year Bible because it's broken down to 365 bite-sized portions of the Bible. It's already done for you. That's no problem with that. I read one almost every day. I read from the Living Proverbs in, or the Living Proverbs when I'm in the bathroom. I read from my Living Bible, one-year Bible. I keep this Bible near my desk. And often throughout the day, often throughout the day, I'm writing emails to people and I'm using Scripture, so I'm thinking about Scripture that way. 
I'm praying, thinking about God's word. And I can tell you that if it wasn't for God's word and the strength that God's word give, uh, you know, those of you that saw me that six years through that trial, I'd have quit. I'd have walked away. I'd have walked away. It's that simple. I'm not that good of a man. I'm not that great of a dad. It was the word of God. 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 And I knew I would have to defy God if I walk away. And I knew I'll have to throw out all that I said I believed and all the stuff that I've read over the years. I'll have to go against all of it. And it's, it's really hard when you've read it over and over and over. It makes it really hard to go against. See, that's the beauty of it. It fortifies you like vitamins in your cereal. Hope you're eating good cereal. Some of you are still eating tricks. Tricks are for kids. It's time to grow up. Okay? And eat some solid food, some good food, some healthy food, so you get healthy. And this is the healthiest. Doesn't get any healthier than this. Wake up. Wake up. Stop blaming, accept responsibility, and change your life and your habits starting tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning. Get an alarm clock if you have to. Learn to get to bed at a decent time so that you're able to wake yourself up the next morning. Get yourself showered. Get yourself awake so that when you're with the one who loves you most, you can be awake, wide-eyed, bushy-tailed, ready to hear what he has to say to you. He deserves that. He deserves that. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you tonight. Lord, these messages, they're to me. I'm, I'm standing here, I'm sharing them because I know you want me to share them, but my ears are hearing them too. All these things, Lord, they apply right to me. Whether it's to my finances or to my life or to my marriage or to my relationship or to my own health or to my own habits or my own prayer life, Lord, I want to excel still more. I want the word of God just running through my mind day after day, moment by moment. To learn to trust you, to learn to look to your word, to allow you to guide and direct me to treasure your word. And Father, I just ask that you'd bring real change tonight, starting tonight, in the lives of these men and women. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to give you one last suggestion. Tomorrow morning, when you get up, start by opening your Bible to Psalm 119. And do not get up from your place where you're sitting until you've read the entire Psalm 119. And have a pencil or a pen or a highlighter. You'll be stunned by the things it says in Psalm 119 about the value of the Word of God. God bless you guys. Thank you for being here tonight. And please join us downstairs for free food and stuff like that. All right? And if you want to hit me, you can hit me.